Welcome to episode 91 of the Luke Winstall Show. As a young play-by-play commentator, I always enjoy listening to the guys that are the best in the business. And today I'm lucky to have one of them, Pete Pranica, Memphis Grizzlies play-by-play commentator for their TV broadcasts on the show. Today I talked with Pete about his journey to becoming an NBA commentator, working with the Memphis Grizzlies, and what advice he has for up-and-coming broadcasters. If you're hoping to work in sports media, you won't want to miss this. Pete, thank you for joining me on the show. How are you doing today? Uh, Hanging in there as as best we can, given the circumstances. Obviously, hope everybody who's listening to this podcast is uh, is following all the guidelines and practicing their social distancing and, and staying healthy. How did you get into sports commentating and the sports media aspect? Well, it's an interesting story. I think a lot of your listeners are going to know who Kevin Harlan is. Um, Kevin and I went to the same boys-only Catholic high school in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, and that high school had a 10-watt radio station back when the FCC allowed 10-watt radio stations, which they don't do anymore. Um, Kevin was five years, or Kevin is, uh, five years older than I am, and so uh, he had gone through and he had announced uh, it was Premontre was the name of the high school who announced the, the basketball and the hockey and the football. And then after him, uh, I basically followed on. So we had this 10 watt radio station. If you were in good academic standing during your study halls, you could sign up and you could spin records for uh, a period during the day. And then on the weekend, uh, we would turn the station back on and we would go and we would do the football games or basketball games or hockey games. And uh, that was really where I got early reps and, and got exposed to sports broadcasting and particularly radio play-by-play and uh, that's what really fired my imagination. Well, can you take me inside what broadcast preparation looks like for you? Well, the first thing that I do is I use a product called Broadcaster's Edge. A guy by the name of Brian Friedman developed this, which is it's a semi-automated system in that it downloads the, the, the stats that you're going to need you know, height, weight, jersey uh, number, uh, you know, when they were drafted, along with points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Massive time saver. Um, so what I will do, is, and that program also allows you, because it is a database, it also allows you to type in biographical notes on each and every player uh, that will live in that database until you overwrite them. And so what I'll do typically is I will go and I will get the box score from the previous game. And the first line I will type in is what they did in the previous game. Second line will be how many 10-point games, 20-point games, triple-doubles, double-doubles. What's their season high? Is it a career high? And then I've still got three more lines where I can put in – I'll put in trends. You know, uh, so-and-so is shooting a monthly best 49% from the floor or whatever. Um, And and then I still have a couple more lines left for biographical information. And so I I key all this stuff in – into broadcaster's edge and so those are that's the basic spotters chart that i would use but then what i do is uh, i also have a system where i just keep uh, a file for every team where in word where i have a list of notes it would be their upcoming schedule their injuries you know, what they've done over the last five games and then go through the individual team game notes and pull out things 
that I think are going to be important. Some of them are statistical. Some of them are more storyline oriented based on the clips I may have read about, you know, the team. Um, we also in the NBA and, and particularly with Fox regional networks, we have a contract with sport radar, which gives us access to a number of databases. So it makes the numerical work far easier. If, if I want to tell you what, um, John Morant has done over the last five games. It's very easy for me to go into the database, click on John Morant, and then put in a filter for the last five games, and I get that answer. I don't have to break out the calculator and, and try to figure all this stuff out. Um, so, you know, using what I do myself, just working off a box score, working off of clips that I've read about both teams, working off what Sport Radar can provide me, and then there's also a company out of Austin, Texas called Stat. Stats tailored around talent. Um, they will also do whatever research that you would like them to do. And so my marching orders to them have been, tell me about the Grizzlies opponent. Do they do a lot of pick and rolls? Do they do a lot of isolation? Do they do a lot of spot ups? What play types are most successful for them? So you kind of have that background uh, and you pull all these things together. And, you know, I may have a stack of 20 index cards and a couple of spotters boards, uh, but, you know, you, you just over-prepare because you never know what is going to happen. And sometimes I will have a note for the Grizzlies that has been living on those index cards and I've been updating for 10 games and I haven't used it. Then the 11th game, hey, now the opportunity presents itself and you end up using it. What do you think is something that the average NBA fan might not know about your job that you do every day or something very important? I, I think that we're, we're starting to get, I think, a greater appreciation of all the preparation that goes into doing a game. Um, that I, I, you know, that and also people think, well, you just memorize all this stuff. There's no way. I don't care who you are. Uh, you know, <laughs> you could be John Nasr in a beautiful mind, uh, and, and you know you're not going you're not going to memorize this stuff um I, but I, I think probably it is the greatest misconception is that we just show up at the arena we sit down we call the game and that's it and you know and i mean everybody does their head they have their own rituals for preparation i'm probably looking at three to four hours of preparation for every hour i am on the air and uh, like I said, that's because you, you just never know what's going to happen. You could have a G League guy who's making his NBA debut and, and you know, makes five threes. And so you want to have all that information. You're always overprepared. And I think the ratio that most people will tell you is that you use maybe 10%, maybe 10% of everything that you prepared. But uh, if you were to go into a game and not do that type of preparation, you would feel like you're cheating the viewer or the listener. Now, you've had a lot of great moments that you've been able to call in your time in Memphis. Do you have a favorite that stands out to you, a favorite call or a favorite play that you enjoyed being a part of? Uh, you know, what leaps to mind most quickly is the Shane Battier three in San Antonio uh, for the Grizzlies' first ever playoff game win, which led to their first ever playoff series win when they were an eighth seed and, and facing the top seed at San Antonio Spurs. Um it was a Sunday afternoon game, as I recall, and the Grizzlies had – that year they actually had had some success against San Antonio, but winning in San Antonio uh, and, and, you know, with Duncan and Parker and Ginobili, and you're just thinking, like, there's how is this, this going to happen? And, you know, for people who are not familiar with the Grizzlies' history, they had lost their first 12 playoff games. They had been swept 
you know, three straight times. And so, you know, you think going in to the outside world, an eight seed going against a one seed, let alone the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, what chances does Memphis have? And they hung around, hung around, hung around, and Shane Battier hits this angle three to give the Grizzlies the lead, and then ultimately they go on to win the game. The postscript to that is that Shane Battier's wife, Heidi, was expecting their first child. And Shane had been traded from Houston to Memphis at the deadline. So Heidi was in Houston, and Shane gets to the locker room, apparently gets a phone call, you need to get to Houston right away. I don't even know that Shane showered. I think he just got into a rental car and drove as quickly as he could to Houston for for the birth of their first child. Oh, wow. Okay, what is your approach as a play-by-play guy to calling one of those iconic moments or big plays? Uh, Make sure you've got the score right so that you know, you know, a two is going to tie or take the lead or, you know, is it a two, is it a three? Um, You know, you want to make sure you get the score right. Is this for the tie? Is this for the win? You want to make sure you have that correct. Uh, And then you just get out of the way, particularly on television. Um, I remember... Probably one of my favorite calls is uh, Memphis is playing the Miami Heat when LeBron James was there. And Rudy Gay goes in the corner. We need, I forget if the game was tied or, or one-point margin, but any 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 field goal would, would win the game. And I remember Rudy going into the corner, and I think I said something like, you know, Rudy over LeBron for the win. Ball goes in, and I just go, yes, yes, yes. And then I shut up. And then our director, Tom Hewitt, who's done a million NBA games, cuts all these wonderful shots of all the reaction in the building. And the streamers are coming down. And people are jumping up and down and going crazy. So, you know, the, the number one thing is be solid, be correct. And once the people see it, just, just get out of the way. Because me screaming over the video of people jumping up and down and Rudy Gay being mobbed on on the floor. What I'm saying adds nothing to it. You just want that raw emotion to play out. And so be correct, be concise, and then get out of the way. Well, you're getting to call games for a team with one of the best young cores in the league right now, the Memphis Grizzlies, with guys like John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., high draft picks, and then also Dylan Brooks, who seems to have stepped up Watching those guys on a day-to-day basis, what kind of potential does this team have going forward? Well, I mean, it, it's. Uh, I think that there's there's a, a high ceiling for this team. You know, are they an NBA Finals team? You know, a couple years down the road, that's a possibility. I think that this is a team that, you know, barring unforeseen and significant injury, uh, this is a team that that will have the opportunity to go deep into the playoffs. And again, that is assuming that these guys will continue to build on their success and that they have not reached their ceiling at this point. I don't, I don't think that they have, uh, we have a really good coach in Taylor Jenkins. I think it's a, it's a name that when it was put forward, people were like, who's he? Uh, but he has been very, very good and and part of the San Antonio coaching tree. And I, I think that, his approach to the game has resonated with these young players and they have, have come together with a, a good identity of playing fearless, positionless basketball. And, uh, and it has been, it has been very successful to this point. Uh, but going down the line two, three years, I could see this is, this is a team that's going to be in the mix for potentially a conference finals. And if you get in the conference finals, who knows, you may end up in the NBA finals, but that, that, that'd be a couple, three years down the road, I would imagine. 
My final question for you. What tips would you give to students or young play-by-play commentators trying to find a role calling NBA games? Whatever you do, you have to find ways to get repetitions. Um, You know, now there are so many more outlets because of the internet, because there are streaming options where schools may have, whether it's done on Facebook Live or or some other way that you can, you just got to figure out a way that you you actually get to be the person in the chair calling the game. Uh, And if for whatever reason, you're not the person who's calling the game in the chair, is there some other way that you can do it? you know, going really, really old school back to the back to the 80s. I remember a good friend of mine who also wanted to be in the business. I'd go to, over to his house, and I think in those days CBS would play, a, you know, would, would air a Friday night NBA game. And we'd set up a couple of stick mics and a couple of headsets, and we would watch it on TV, and we would practice that way. You have to figure out some way to get repetitions. The only way you get better at this is to do things over and over and over and over again. Um, and I would also encourage young aspiring broadcasters, do not limit yourself to a single sport. Uh you may want to do basketball. Everybody wants to do basketball. Maybe you don't get the call to do that. Do baseball. Do soccer. Uh, do volleyball. Do something. You know, do something to sharpen your skills. Uh, you know, in the off season, I do minor league baseball. In the off season, I do USL soccer. Uh, I've done in the Olympics. I've done weightlifting. I've done team handball. I've done fencing. I've done judo. You try to do all these different things because. You may love basketball, and it may be your number one sport, the sport you really want to do, but in order to get into the business at some point, you, your entry point may be a different sport, and, and it could be minor league baseball, or it could be softball, uh, or it could be some other sport. So um, be adept, uh, you know, be flexible, but however you get reps, even if it is you just recording a game into a voice recorder on your phone just to practice, even if you're in the corner of some minor league ballpark and people are looking at you like you're, you're you know, what's wrong with this person, you just need to be persistent. I think the best piece of advice that I ever got, Don Crickey, who had done NFL forever on CBS uh, and is a Notre Dame guy, and I had reached out to him when I was a student, he said, those who want it most and work hardest usually get there. And I thought that was the best and most succinct way of of explaining uh, how you can get to be to a position something like mine. Awesome, Pete. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Anytime, Luke. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of The Luke Winstall Show. Please be sure to follow on social media at Luke Winstall Show and share it with all your friends. That concludes this episode, but I'll see you back next week with another great guest.